This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Chris Landry here with the SEC Football Show for Wednesday, November 13th. Yes, rankings number two are out. We're going to get into that, react to that, all from an SEC perspective and a national perspective because it's certainly all interconnected on how it will play out. Certainly going to break down uh, a number of things. The LSU performance, Alabama, the immediate and long-term futures of those teams. Georgia, Arkansas makes a move. We'll give an update on what's going on there. How about the improvement at Tennessee? Um, we're going to take a look at each game, hand out game balls so uh, as we normally do, and uh, take a look ahead to uh, next week's games as well. want to thank the great folks at 401K Generation and Eddie Rojas for – providing you this podcast. Uh, it's brought to you by those great folks. And um, whether you have a business or whether you're an individual looking for some financial advice, uh, in, investment inquiries, they're the folks you want to get in contact with. Call or text at 1-866-998-5879. Yes, they are licensed in all 50 states. Maybe you've got a financial guy or a gal. It's someone to bounce some ideas off of. To make sure, give yourself, as I like to say, a financial checkup. So check them out today. Give them a call. Tell them where you heard about them um, from us, and they'll take good care of you. And, uh, again, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for great folks like him. And if you are someone, let's say you have a business that you'd like to promote, you feel you're the right type of business, the right type of person that can partner, we're looking. We're in conversations currently with people who are interested in promoting their business, and we're looking for the right fits, just like Eddie and his team at 401K Generation. So if you feel you and your business are the right fit, want to get the word out about your business, contact us today. How to do that? Go to LandryFootball.com. Hit Contact Chris on the top bar, email me, and I'll get TJ in touch with you. Hope that you enjoy this podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast for each and every conference team um, that we drop on Wednesdays, our college podcast nationally on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and our NFL podcast. It all leads up to the work that we do on LandryFootball.com. It's where you can find 
all the podcasts. It's also, more importantly, where you can find all the film room analysis, inside information on these coaching searches uh, that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and we've got free content, certainly, but it's a membership content um, um, content for a reason. A lot of the information is sensitive. We do not want to just share it with the public. We want to have it as part of the LandryFootball.com family because, again, it comes through my interaction and my work as a college football coaching and scouting consultant. My background is as a coach and as a scout as a college and NFL level. So trying to provide that for you, inside information and analysis, is something that we want to provide for you, the member. So you can check it out today, 50% discount during football season for an entire year. You can try it out for a month, three months, whatever the case may be. Give it a shot. Become part of the LandryFootball.com family. I mean, how uh, it's it's $9.99 a month. If you try it for a year, it's $4.99 a month. I mean, you can't get better than that. For less than a magazine subscription, Get you can get um, – access to your own coaching and scouting apartment. So check us out at LandryFootball.com. So let's start. We're going to get into the games, but let's start with the rankings. Yes, it's come out. LSU is ranked number one. Georgia is ranked four. Alabama five. Some are complaining about that. I said that regardless what would happen in the four spot, there's going to be criticism. Well, there is. So Georgia 4, Alabama 5, Florida 11, Auburn 12. What does this mean? Well, we know that there are still three teams in the SEC with some possible chance of playoff aspirations. LSU, quite simply, if they win out in the regular season and they play Ole Miss, they play Arkansas, and they play A&M, they went out and go to the SEC championship game, LSU will be in. Whether they win or lose the conference championship, they'll be in the playoffs. The resume's the best. They passed the eye test. They've checked all the boxes. Now, the only issue will be their seating, but they would be in. So the issue is now the, the belief, and I want to get into it and break it down a little bit strategically. The belief is that Georgia at four automatically is going to stay ahead at five. You know, and there's, you know, I, I think there's a, maybe a little bit of confusion. Maybe the Alabama faithful were hoping that they would be four and five with the idea that if they were four, as long as Alabama beat Mississippi State and Auburn, they would hold on to the fourth spot. And that's really not the case. The only issue in my mind is not whether Alabama was four today or not. Didn't matter. Alabama is not going to be four. They're not going to be in the top four unless they get some help. Georgia does control their fate. They win out. They go to the conference championship game. They lose to LSU. They're a two-loss team that made it to the conference championship game, but they lose to LSU. They're out. Alabama would finish higher than Georgia in that scenario. 
Georgia's, Alabama's competition at that point would be a one-loss Pac-12 champion. I can tell you what the, at least as of right now, the Pac-12 has distanced himself from the Big 12 in the eyes of the committee. So Alabama still has a shot. And again, because they're not going to go to the conference championship game if they can beat Auburn. And really, if they beat them, and it, it, even if they beat them double digits, they're not to blow them out, that will go up in a comparative measure to Oregon and their loss to Auburn. Kind of tough to put them in Utah overall resume out of conference may not be as good. Listen, I think it would be the committee looking at it saying, who do I think is better, Utah or Alabama? Remember, they're supposed to honor the conference championship. And if somebody is going to get in that doesn't win their conference championship over another team with a conference championship, They must be, quote, unquote, unequivocally better. How will they view Alabama? Unequivocally better? Well, it depends. I think there are a couple of things that depend. LSU wins decisively down the stretch, beats Georgia decisively. Alabama beats Auburn decisively. Yeah, I I, I can absolutely see Alabama in that scenario being four. But if they were four tonight – the same thing would apply. So it does not matter if Georgia or Alabama were fourth or fifth. It doesn't. What matters is that they win, went out, beat Auburn, and that Georgia loses to LSU in the conference championship game. Because if Georgia wins, then it's Georgia and LSU in. And then there's no way a conference champion Georgia's going to get jumped by a one-loss Alabama that doesn't even make the conference championship game. Because then Georgia would have beaten LSU, something that Alabama couldn't do at home again. So it's it's pretty clear. So the fourth and fifth spot between Georgia and Alabama does not matter in terms of the finished product because the finished product is going to be dictated. And quite frankly, if you asked me between the two who had the best shot of finishing higher, it would be Alabama, because Alabama's got the easier path. I mean, Georgia's got Auburn, Alabama's got Auburn. But Georgia's going to have to beat LSU. Alabama lost to LSU. I don't think Georgia's going to beat LSU. But But Georgia's got... Look, Georgia doesn't need any help. Georgia can take care of themselves. But Georgia has a tougher path. If Georgia gets beat by LSU, some may say, well, wait a minute. We played a tougher schedule. We're ranked higher. Two lost Georgia's going to end higher than Alabama. Not if they lose the conference championship game. Don't see that. Now, here's the other thing that is interesting. And it's a scenario that's out there. If Georgia loses to Auburn, then goes on to beat LSU in the conference championship game. LSU would be in, presumably Ohio State and Clemson win, they're in. Who gets the nod then? Then it is a conference champion Georgia with two losses. 
that just beat LSU, trumps Alabama, perhaps, or would it? Would they look at to his healthier now? I mean, that would be interesting dilemma there. And then that combination would be the most intriguing discussion. And we'll leave it at there because it gives everybody a headache to go through a lot of scenarios. If you want me to address some of your scenarios, hit me up on Twitter or just send me an email and I'll address it here on the next podcast. I'll address it on the college podcast. I can do it on Thursday, for example. Uh, so just go ahead and send that to me. If you, if there's something you're thinking about that I'm not thinking about, but there, there, listen, there's possibilities. And to me, a lot of it, so much of it, everyone wants to know in terms of who wins and who loses. I look at how it looks in addition to winning and losing. So that's where to me, a lot of this is not as relevant that it is to most people in that how it looks, how they play, is going to mean a whole lot. That's going to determine who I think is better. And I think you can look at it a number of different ways, but I do more of the film than I do anything else. I look at the metrics. I certainly look at I'm certainly aware of who won the games because I'm studying the tapes of the games and know who won. It, the metrics are important, but you got to look at a lot of different things that I think come into play. Now, the one thing that I don't really get into that I do think it's alive in this process is there is forms of politics that are involved that I, th- I think there's a genuine interest in getting it right, but you, you'll wonder if, you know, there's subliminal discussions about ratings and how things might play out. I think those things, you know, at least on the outside, people think factor in. How much of it inside? Don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But I think that there is a still a good possibility that there could be two SEC teams in. And what's the most likely scenario? I think the most likely scenario, quite frankly, is that LSU wins out and that Alabama ends up being the fourth seed. I still think that's uh, a possibility. But they're going to need, you know, maybe some help. But how much help? Don't know. Maybe the committee will look at a one-loss Pac-12 champion Oregon or Utah and put them in over Alabama. They might. They might. They might say it's close enough to where we're going with the conference champion. Look, I don't know. We shall see. Trying to think if there's any other scenario. I think that's pretty much it. As it's currently set up, that's pretty much it. All right, so where where have we gotten to this point? Obviously, is on the heels of LSU's big win over Alabama. My reaction uh, is simply that I thought LSU was dominant on offense. Not once did, well, a couple of plays, Alabama was able to play defensively um, from different 
spots and points. But for the most part, this LSU offense carved up Alabama's defense. They missed a whole bunch of tackles. I broke down two dozen missed tackles by Alabama. I know Nick has come out and said they're 25. There's was really an un-Alabama-like performance. However, you know, that's all part of it. Uh, when you play good teams, those things tend to happen. And I think we've seen that with Alabama in their last two games, in big games in quality opponents, Clemson and now LSU, they've not performed very well. LSU defensively had some issues. I thought Alabama left some points on the field. They made a lot of mistakes. LSU had some mistakes. Defensively, LSU had some mistakes. Um, a alignment communication issue that led to a touchdown. A bad play coverage call late to give Alabama a shot and give them an easy score. And then, obviously, a poor leverage on a punt return, which phenomenal run by Waddle. Um, those things were colossal mistakes, but they're part of the life of the game. They made them. And you live with that mistake is you live with your, any results that you have. What I would say is that um, Alabama made a ton of mistakes, just mental errors, drop balls, Look like any game, you go back and look through it, and you can what if it to a completely different outcome, a completely different game. Um, but I thought LSU was in control of the game. Outside of the first series where Alabama took it all the way down, that led to the to a fumble. Look like man, Alabama's going to carve up this defense, and at that point, LSU hadn't had a possession. You're thinking, man, this is this is going to be real interesting. They fumble the football. LSU goes down, boom, pretty clear. Alabama's got to make some adjustments defensively. Never could. Never beyond that did Alabama, outside of that early possession, down six. Alabama closed it to one possession, and then immediately LSU came back and, you know, sprinted ahead even more. So it was never outside of the very early stages of the game. It was never in doubt. In terms of game control, LSU controlled it. The fact that Alabama got it close, not really that close. Close to me, once you get into the game, second quarter on, is you're down one possession and you got the ball and you're driving. That never happened. It was, it was, it got it scored, got it to two from two possessions to one possession. Then LSU was in control. So, I, I thought it was a very impressive performance. And when you look at the resume of LSU and playing, beating a Florida, beating an Auburn, now beating an Alabama on the road, very impressive, very impressive resume. I know the Texas win doesn't look as big. It's still good. It's still better than a lot. It's the Fourth best win that they have. That's a pretty fourth best. That fourth best win is better than anybody, any win that Alabama has. So they got four better wins 
than Alabama has. So there's there's a clear separation in terms of a resume. And then, of course, the head-to-head takes care of that. So they've got it all there. For Alabama, people have asked me and people have thrown this out. The dynasty's over. The problems are there. Listen, I, I think there's always overreaction to these situations. What I've noticed at Alabama the past couple of years is as the they've changed their identity to more of a passing attack in up in up tempo and and try to get the ball out in space. What I see more and more is less commitment to the run game, and the less commitment you have to the run game affects how you play defensively, how you prepare defensively, how tough you are at the line of scrimmage. And look at it. When is the last time we've not seen four good Alabama running backs that could line up and be dominant starters for anybody else? Najee Harris ran well, but they're not as good at running back, and they're not as good as a run-blocking unit as they have been. Why? It's not just recruiting to that, folks. You have to stay committed to it. I say that about a lot of teams. I've said it about Oklahoma. I've said it about a lot of teams that get into that mold. I think that Alabama's lost their way a little bit at the line of scrimmage, and I think they were more complete as a football team when they were a dominant, deep defensive team with a great running game and a great powerful offensive line and a quarterback that could move the offense, could throw it, could throw it off play action, could throw it to the tight end, could throw it to the receivers, get it in space, but they never got too far away from establishing the line of scrimmage. That allowed a measure of game control that, to me, allowed them to be pretty dominant. And now, I don't think what we see now, we're seeing a team that's much more explosive. And what do the people say? Oh, the offense is great. It's the defense that's a problem. Well, the defense is a problem. Again, this is not an Alabama thing. This is a football thing. The defense is a problem because the pace of play is going to be the offense. It's going to put the defense on the field for more snaps. And if you have that type of an offense, like last week, you drop a couple of balls, you're not scoring on that drive. You're punting. You're turning it over. Guess what? Your defense is on the field more snaps. They have less time to rest. It's a different game. So your defense is not going to be as good. And again, you're not preparing your team the same way in practice. So the identity of Alabama has changed. And look, I don't think they're going to win the national championship this year and may not likely not going to even make the playoffs this year which is a cause for a reevaluation of kind of who they are, how they're doing it, maybe not going all the way back to what they were, but maybe getting a little bit more ball control back in the game, recruiting the dominant backs and having the dominant play at the line of scrimmage, then obviously have quarterbacks that can work the passing game. If you can't be equally effective 
with the four-minute offense and two-minute offense, you're going to have trouble. And I think the spread game and the tempo game is going to always hurt your defense. And I think limit your chances against great teams, the highest level. So I don't think the Alabama dynasty is dead, but I think it has changed from when they've been as dominant as they've been, and it is something that I think that probably needs to be looked at. Um, But look at LSU. LSU's the hot team now. They've got to finish the job this year. Will they? Don't know. Honestly, don't know. We'll see. I think they they certainly – I see them getting to the conference championship game, beating Georgia and winning in the playoffs, much bigger hurdle. I don't know if their defense is going to hold up in those games. I don't know if the run game of Georgia is going to give them a little bit of problem or a lot of problem. Who they play in the playoffs could be an issue. All those things factor in, no question about it. So we'll see how they finish the year. But let's look going forward. LSU, they're likely going to lock up Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator, give them a nice, sizable bump in pay. Um, that Joe Burrow's not going to be there. So to think that they're going to be as good, it's a little bit foolhardy, okay? I don't think they'll be quite as good. I don't think the quote-unquote dynasty's dead or things have changed. I think it takes a little bit longer. Now, we could look back five years from now and say, yep, you know what? That's where it ended. Well, that you can always look back in retrospect. But to me, it really depends upon how Alabama – approaches it if they approach it with more of a let's get back to being a better line of scrimmage team then I think they could reverse the course and become Alabama again but are they willing to do it can they put the staff together to do it can they recruit back to that style but all those things are question marks and they have to be answered in the affirmative if they're going to do it and then you got to go out and execute it. So all those things are – the answer to the question is, is it over? No, it's not over. But is it a certainty that Nick Saban is going to win more championships or one more? Absolutely not. There's nothing certain. Nothing's given to you. This is going to have to be a, a, a restructuring and a reevaluation of what they're doing, how they're doing it. Not a drastic – you know, impetuous change, but a modification that can allow them to be better at the line of scrimmage. I think that is what's needed. I've said it before, and they've got their flaws, but Georgia is a team that looks more like Alabama than Alabama. Line of scrimmage team, run the football, play really good defense. They don't have quite enough in the passing game at this point. That's held them back. I think fully healthy, they might be able to be more functional in the passing game, and they're more complete. Georgia looks like a more complete team than Alabama or LSU in the SEC, provided their passing game can give them a little bit more. They need a little bit more. I I, I think that their formula to beat an Alabama or an LSU, and we'll go with LSU because that's who they're going to play. They will not play Alabama 
because uh, they're they're not going to be in the conference championship game against Alabama, and there's no scenario by which Georgia and Alabama both make the national playoffs. So Georgia's not going to play Alabama this year, but how Georgia would play Alabama or, in this case, LSU this year, is they're going to have to run the football at LSU's defense and control the game that way. I thought Alabama would do a little bit more of that. I thought they would have more success with that. They were not able to do that as well as I thought they were capable of doing, and I think you got to limit possessions. Georgia cannot get into a shootout. If LSU can manipulate and attack this Georgia defense and get a lead, Georgia's done. Georgia has to abandon the run game. It's over. And I think that there's a chance that if it happens, it could be a blowout win for LSU. But I think if Georgia plays it smart, plays it close to the vest, line of scrimmage game, they could win a short game. And they're going to have to create some mistakes, some turnovers, create short fields for their offense. But they're going to have to make some plays one-on-one against LSU secondary. But it's only going to be the byproduct of LSU having to play the run with numbers. And uh, we'll see if Georgia can get that done. That's kind of how I I see the teams in the league right now. But I don't think it's a given. I don't look at LSU as a great defense. And they've got some things to prove. If they're able to shut down Georgia's defense, Georgia's running game, and they're able to perform well there, I I think they're going to match up pretty well in in the playoffs. I think that Clemson and Ohio State are really good. LSU may end up being, um, you know, in that group, you know, a little bit behind Ohio State in terms of overall balance. But Joe Brady, excuse me, Joe Burrow gives LSU a really good chance and I think a distinct advantage, no question uh, uh, on that. Um, Some thoughts Arkansas, Chad Morris gone. I've got a complete breakdown of the coaching search, what's going on, um, early stages with some ideas and possibilities there. You can check that out over on LandryFootball.com. Look, it was, as my theory is, pace versus path. If you're on the right path, you can adjust the time and the pace. They weren't on the right path. And losing to Western Kentucky, led by Ty Story, giving up that many points, um, was an embarrassment and a final straw situation for him. Another guy that was in a tough second-year situation, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee's turned things around. He's done a really good job of getting Tennessee to play well, maybe headed towards a bowl game. What an impressive performance, how they've, just gotten better and better, and they're on to some, some good things. So great for them. Oh, by the way, I'm going to talk a little bit second, kind of preview some of the games, but I've thought about something, and I wonder. I don't think this is where Nick Saban's going to go. It's not his style. However, I would sit Tua for the Mississippi State game. And I would sit him for the Western Carolina game. He would sit for two weeks until Auburn week of practice. I would heal that ankle as much as possible. 
and I would play it that way. I also that it it may be a little politics, but it would certainly send a message that you know what he was injured and banged up a lot more in that LSU game than people knew. Now the the results were there to or through the football well, but he people say well wasn't the factor in the game because they threw the football well. He threw the football well. And there's a lot of drops. So the biggest lack of efficiency in the passing game was due to drops, not Tua's throwing it. But Tua was not was not right running the football. And, and the ability to be able to take up and run and make a play with his feet, he was not able to do that. The plays that Joe Burrow was able to make, Tua was unable to make with his feet. Sit him down. I'm not saying you disrespect. I, I I sit them down. I really do. At this point, they need maximum healing and maximum time. Play them in the Auburn week. Take your chances there. I'd do it. I don't think Saban's going to do that. But I think I'm sure that's what I would do. Uh, just some other thoughts. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was just phenomenal. He was right up there with Joe Burrow. You know, he's he may be short, but he ain't small, and he's strong. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson were great as well. It's a great, great performance. Um, some other things that jumped out at me, Georgia's defense was outstanding against Missouri. Um, this is the best-looking defense among the contenders in the SEC. Auburn's right there. This is going to be a great game this week, Georgia-Auburn. We'll get into it in a second. Uh, but Georgia was able to get this done and um, defensively and running the football. Florida rolled over Vanderbilt. No need to spend a lot of time on that. Vanderbilt's in a mess. They host Kentucky. Florida's got a little bit of a revenge game against Mizzou. And we'll see how it goes. We talked a little bit about Arkansas. We talked a little bit about uh, Tennessee. Kentucky, Kentucky's been banged up. And the quarterback situation limits them. But I like the way that team's played and fought. They've been outstanding. I continue to say one of the more interesting offseasons is going to be at Ole Miss. I see improvement. The record doesn't show it, but I see it. What will they do? What will they not do? I don't really know. Can they keep Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre? Do they keep Matt Luke? Do they maybe make a move and go in a different direction? I, I think – they keep everybody for another year. They can keep it all together. It's my opinion. Bad loss for South Carolina. And it doesn't help Georgia by proxy, the transitive property of, wait a minute, South Carolina loses to Appalachian State and they beat Georgia. It looked bad. I mean, South Carolina looks looked disorganized, completely outplayed against Appalachian State. It's really, really um, bad performance there. Game balls for this past week. Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Alaire was outstanding. Najee Harris was really good. I thought Jamar Chase at receiver. Thaddeus Moss at tight end. At other receivers, I thought George Pickens of Georgia and Devontae Smith of Alabama were good. On the offensive line, I thought Michael Howard and Isaiah Wilson were really good at tackle. Howard at Ole Miss and Wilson at Georgia. At guard, Damian Lewis of LSU and Landon Dickinson of Alabama. Um... 
for on the defensive side, I thought Daryl Middleton of Tennessee, uh, Caleb Von Chason of LSU on the end. Defensive tackle, Aubrey Solomon of Tennessee and Benito Jones of Ole Miss. Linebacker, I thought Jacob Phillips was very good for LSU. Daniel Patuli has been playing great ball for Tennessee. At corner, I thought Kadron Smith of Ole Miss and C.J. Henderson of Florida were really good at safety. I thought uh, Donovan Steiner of, of uh, Florida and Richard LeCount of Georgia was, were really effective. Um, I thought Cardell Flott was very good for LSU in nickel. This week, the game, the matchup, Georgia-Auburn on the Plains. A Auburn team that or their veins kind of running through this entire playoff format. It's going to affect Georgia, of course. It's going to affect Alabama, who they both play. It's already got an effect on the resume of LSU positively, but it, it won't have that's done in terms of its impact for LSU. But for for Oregon, you know, um, winning that game against Oregon certainly is, at this point, which keeping Oregon on the outside looking in and perhaps might when it's all said and done. I expect this to be a good physical football game. These are the two best defenses in the SEC. It's not LSU, it's not Alabama, it's not anyone else. Auburn and Georgia are the two best defenses in the SEC, and it's not even close. Georgia can run the football better. Georgia's got better quarterback play. Georgia should be able to win the game. Georgia's going on the road. It's the oldest rivalry in the South. It will not be an easy game by any stretch at all. But what it's going to do, it's going to create an interesting dynamic on offense is how do you play it. You know, you, you're you going to want to run the football. If you're Georgia, that's what you do. Auburn's going to really be effective shutting down the run. So I think it's about running the football to set up the ability to throw the football. I think Georgia's better equipped to make plays in the passing game than Auburn. I think this Georgia defense is playing at an elite level. And I don't know that I like Auburn's chances to have a lot of sustained success in this game. So I do like Georgia as the better team. In this game, though, you could you could see Auburn putting forth their best effort. There's a little bit of a sidebar issue going on here I want to address. People have asked me about, what about Gus Malzahn going to Arkansas? He's got a big deal at Auburn, but he wants to go. Folks, let me just say, I don't know if there's any likes to it, but let me just tell you. He's got a lot of money owed to him at Auburn. I think he's committed to Auburn. But if Auburn were, for example, Jimmy Sexton went to Arkansas, if they wanted him and they put together a package that would offer him more money guaranteed than what Auburn owes him currently right now on a new contract, 
and he could get Auburn to say, all right, we'll pay you half of what we owe you, and you can get out, and we'll let you go. <laughs> I think Auburn would do it, and I think Gus would do it. I don't know that Arkansas wants to go in that direction or not. I go into some details again about the Arkansas job over at LandryFootball.com. You can check that out. But that is something that's intriguing. And I say that because a loss to Georgia and a loss to Alabama completely changes the dynamics. Because right now there's an anticipation that Auburn's going to lose it, that Gus is going to lose these games. And this story is going to prop up big time. Big time. If they lose both of these games. If they win both of this game, beat both of these games, would be quite the story. Would be really something. They would be have an impressive resume, by the way, with their schedule. But they'd have two losses, and they would not have won their conference, uh, the division championship, to go to the conference championship game. But that's an interesting storyline. It ought to be a great game. I, I think it it's up there with a game that not only means a lot, but I think should be a good old-fashioned physical game. Earlier in the day, Florida-Missouri. Missouri team has been little up and down, quite frankly, more down. I think Florida, this is their chance to put their foot on the neck of Missouri. They're playing well. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Florida team has a chance to finish this season very strong, in a very strong fashion. Um, they also got a little bit of payback, you know, in, in, in this matchup. Missouri's played them well. It's had a lot of chances there. If you're wondering again, yeah, in conference, Florida's only one game behind Georgia, but Georgia would have to lose both their co- remaining conference championship games because obviously Georgia beat Florida. So it's really not about the East anymore. It's about Georgia improving on a very impressive 8-2 and two record. Can end up 10-2. and two. Be very impressive. Very big statement for Florida. Alabama goes to Mississippi State. Expect the Tide to play well, win the game, rebound. In fact, I think it'll be a very impressive performance. We'll see how that plays out. South Carolina A&M. Um, A&M's playing a little bit better. They're playing at home. Should be able to get it done. People have said, okay, Ole Miss. Ole Miss would love nothing more to rattle LSU's cage, cause some problems. That's a big rivalry. There's no doubt Mississippi State has become more of a competitive rivalry for Ole Miss, but nobody that they would like to beat more than LSU just don't think that they're capable of doing it. I don't think we're going to see LSU's best game. I think we're going to see a little bit of a hangover. In fact, we may see a lot of a hangover. I don't think it's going to matter a great deal. Um, Ole Miss, I think LSU would have to play so poorly uh, that I don't think it's much of a factor. And then finally, Vanderbilt hosting Kentucky. Um, I do think at this point Derek Mason's coming back at Vanderbilt. But if they were to get blown out at Kentucky, it would cause for some reevaluation and probably a lot of answers 
lot of questions that need to be answered as to whether on the right tack type of uh, attitude. So that's kind of a wrap-up of the SEC actions for the weekend. Again, if you've got any questions for me for this podcast or any of the others, go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, and uh, send it to me, and we will address it right here on this podcast. We really appreciate you joining us. want to remind you again to give the folks, make the phone ring, will you, at 401K Generation. Just give – Eddie a call, his staff a call. They're licensed in all 50 states. Get a financial checkup. You're happy with what you're doing, that's fine. Peace of mind, you know you're doing the right thing. Give them a call, uh, whether you're small business, whether you own financial investments, give them a call today at 1-866-998-5879 or send them a text. And they'll get back with you. Um, check out LandryFootball.com. We're going to have all the breakdowns of the upcoming games. Uh, obviously, we've got all the breakdowns and recaps of all these games uh, inside LandryFootball.com, as well as all the NFL. So check us out today, and we'll talk to you next time for another edition of the SEC Football Show. I'm Chris Landry. Take care. <laughs>